I'm in the prime of life, says me, far as I be knowin'. Having time to snack around in comfort all the year. So when we get a little time before our boat gets going, we head on down to the library and this is what we hear. Come, Come on, on and look, look all around, around. There's, there's plenty forward to see. Make your own self right at home. I love the library. Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson. That was Alec and Nicole McMurrin singing an original song they created for the library. And on today's show, we have staff recommended reads. Um, and we're going to start with Chris Wise. Chris is the longest employed borough employee. She's been with the borough for 28 years now. And she began working at the Petersburg Public Library back before we had computers and everything was done with the card catalog. Chris was responsible for bringing Petersburg Public Library online with a computer database of MS-DOS back in the 80s, I believe. And then in the early 2000s, we transferred that system to a more modern um, Windows-type system that we still have today. And so Chris has been through 
and brought us into the modern age here at the Public Library. And we're going to start with Chris today for our recommended reads. So I'm here with Chris Weiss, and who is the library... Um, you do all the cataloging? I, I'm the library tech. Yes, but you also do a lot of collection development. Collection development um, in fiction and some of the um, more novels and true graphic novels also. Yes. And, uh, of, of course, play with the computers. <laughs> yes. Okay. And so you have selected some recommended reads for us. Yes. And I'm going to be very brief because I don't know about um, anyone out there, but a lot of times if I hear too much of the story, I, I do know what's going to happen. And I, I like it to be a surprise when it can. Yes. Um, about a year or so ago, I ran across um, a short uh, book, a novella, The Bear by Andrew Krivik, and I just really loved the sparse um, but eloquent prose that he had to set this story. There were a lot of just lines that you could savor, as far as I'm concerned, and it is about a journey of a father and daughter who are the last humans in the world and okay. how they are interacting with nature and learning to live within uh, nature. And it was really um, this journey of the last humans that were returning to a balance with the animal and spirit world. And so there is a little bit of magical realism here as the story progresses. Um, and that was just kind of a bonus for everything. Um, it does, of course, end, you can think of it either as tragically or as just the cycle of life. Okay. So I'll leave you hanging there. Okay, and that's in the <laughs> sci-fi section? Actually, it's not. Where is it? Is I, it in fiction? I, I think it is in the fiction. Okay. Because, because it really, there's a lot of magical reality type things in, in regular fiction, and I'm pretty sure... Um, it is in fiction. We can double-check that, though. Okay. I read across so many genres. So, um, kind of keeping on that theme, uh, Kingdom of Needle and Bone by Mira Grant. And we don't actually have a physical copy of the book. I tried to order it. It did not come in. And the next time we tried to order it, it had gone up in price amazingly. Ooh. However, it is available as an audiobook on Alaska Digital. Oh, okay. Uh, editions, and I listened to it. And again, it's quite a short story, but um, it kind of chilled me to the bone <laughs> because it begins uh, with an almost clini clinical detachment of the progression of a pandemic. Oh. <laughs> and it is just amazing how spot on and in how short a time she tells this story of how, you know, the start with a small child that wasn't feeling well at an amusement park spreads to the world. Wow. And <laughs> um, it also deals a lot with um, the tension and reasoning behind both the people that want vaccinations and don't want vaccinations. She notches it up, though. 
in when she gets to that level because there are things that we are certainly glad we don't have to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't come with our pandemic. Uh, n- yes, it didn't come with our pandemic, but it, you know, again, it's, it um, really kind of notches it up. So if you like this kind of action, this is for you. Listen to it. Um, so you have me intrigued now. <laughs> I'm not a big fiction reader, but I, w- I would be interested in that. Yeah, and it has, well, I, I had the f- uh, a little bit foretelling of what the, the ending would be, but it, I don't want to go quite there because it could be a very big surprise for some people. So that's and so. What was the name of that kingdom of of needle and bone? Mira Grant. Okay, and that is you can get that on the Alaska Digital Library. Yes. And if you have a Petersburg Public Library card, you have access to that. Yes, you do. And it is fun to listen to things while you're doing other stuff. So keep that in mind. If you can't get the book right in front of you, you can always listen to it it. while you clean the house. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Do two things at once. So, um, I have a couple nonfiction too. One is Lost City of the Monkey God, Douglas Preston. And that was kind of fun because think of Indiana Jones type of ventures and everything. And so, there was a lost city um, that was supposedly very wealthy in Honduras. And for many ages, um, and this is kind of interesting, people would try to raise money for expeditions to go and do this historical research. And it turns out a lot of them didn't go to do historical research. They went to go grab the loot and leave and maybe, you know, give back a couple artifacts. So some of that history of um, expeditions and explorations is in here. Uh, Then a journalist actually did find the city in about 1940 and came back with a ton of artifacts, but he committed suicide before he revealed the location. So it still remained hidden. There were also these rumors from uh, many of the indigenous people that their ancestors had fled to this city when the Spanish arrived. Okay. However, it was also said that if you entered this sacred city, you would die. So, of course, Douglas Preston, in about 2012, went with a group of people to find (laughs) this city. And so it talks a lot about all their trials and tribulations, um, you know, finding the city and then trying to live in the city, which was a jungle that, you know, and just the conditions that they were in. But they just found, they did find the city. It was a huge city. When they returned, they realized that they also had um, kind of a medical mystery on their hands because they came back carrying um, a potentially fatal disease. And so he also talks about how civilizations can rise and fall and can be decimated by things in their population. And I read this long before the pandemic, but it just kind of came to mind again while I was doing all these. (laughs) Well, it reminds me, I mean, you're, I'll let you finish, but I was, 
was thinking of the, is it the Jared Diamond Guns, Germs, and Steel? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very much right. part of the rise and fall of societies. Right. And on a little bit lighter note, this <laughs> <laughs> is another nonfiction um, called Inventing the World. And I think I am actually going to read one of the things that tells about it and then give a, a little bit more explanation. But it's Venice and the Transformation of the Western Civilization. It's by Meredith Small. And the thread of Venetian thought is woven into how we now envision community, healthcare, economics, consumerism, and globalization, all the big picture subjects that are scaffolding of our lives. And usually I am not a, a fan of history, but this was pretty fascinated. Venice was really a little microcosm where so many things developed because they were this microcosm. Okay. And um, some, of the, some of the interesting points, most people have heard of quarantine. Well, that was developed in Venice in the Middle Ages because of uh, the Black Death. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so that's one of the things that you might be familiar with. But they had, like, um, they weren't a warring faction. They did everything through economics. So they did exploring through economics they didn't go out to conquer, and that was one of their strongest points. They went out and traded with people and became friends with people. And mm. so that was one point that was kind of interesting. And along those lines, they had um, a healthcare system for everybody because they realized that if your workers can't work, <laughs> you like no your dock hands, right, if your dock hands can't get your goods on the boat to trade, then you can't get your you know, goods to where you can make money. And so they understood you know, the economics of actually making sure that everybody in their society was healthy and contributing. And so that was kind of an interesting point. And building on piles, which we know about here, into the lagoons. And just all sorts of those little facts, which are also sprinkled with um, the woman's personal anecdotes about being in Venice and uh, doing her research. Um, The other point uh, I do have to mention, though, is they could have used a little bit better proofreading. (laughs) So that's out there for you people that love to find those little mistakes (laughs) and point them out. It's like, oh! That's the book for you, huh? That's the book for you. Well, thank you, Chris. Those those sound all very intriguing. So thanks for sharing. You're welcome. If you are just joining us, this is Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. And today, on today's show, we are doing staff recommended reads. And next up is my own recommended reads. This is Kari Peterson, and I'm the program coordinator for the Petersburg Public Library. I really enjoy nonfiction. And a new book that just came through the library that really piqued my interest was What We Owe Each Other, A New Social Contract for a Better Society by Manoush Shafiq. And what really drew me in is I was reading the cover of this book and found that it was written by an actual policy maker. And um, that was very intriguing to me. So that's what made me decide to pick up this book. 
This book was fascinating. I loved it. Manoush Shafiq is an economist who works on a global scale creating policies. And one of the very first things that drew me in in reading this book was her perspective and understanding that it was just by chance of her birth that she's in the position she is, especially when she went back to Egypt as a child and saw all the other girls who did not have the chance of education that she had had. Um, That was pretty profound for me. In the book, the author goes through early childhood development, childcare, women in the workforce, healthcare, education, labor, distribution of wealth and tax policy. And what I loved about this book is it gave me a better understanding of tax policies especially, but also what is happening on a global level in different countries, what's working and what's not. And um, yeah, so that is What We Owe Each Other, A New Social Construct for a Better Society by Manoush Shafiq. Fabulous read. Um, I don't read fiction very often, but when I do, I tend toward historical fiction. That tends to be my favorite. And um, my second pick for a recommended read is an old favorite. It's called Ahab's Wife or the Star Great or The Stargazer by Sina Jetter Nasland. This book I just hold so dear to my heart. The imagery, just from the writing, the imagery in this book has stayed with me for years and years. I still just have such vivid images in my mind of things that were described in this book. The way I describe this book to people is it's Pippi Longstockings for grown-up girls. It is about a woman who... Goes, it follows her through her entire adult life, from young adult to um, being an old woman, and at a time when women were not independent. And this woman takes off on this adventure and has an independent life, and it's about how she did that. And um, it's, I just love that. And um, yeah, I highly recommend it. The And again, the writing is so beautiful and the images that it leaves in your mind are just so moving. That's Ahab's Wife or the Stargazer by Sina Jetter Nasland. I'm here with Beth Lush and um, she is the library clerk and we wanted to talk about some recommended reads. So what did you come up with, Beth? Um, Two, well, one is kind of an old one that I've, this is not that old, but um, a past one that I've always enjoyed and I've gone back to a few times is uh, A Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness. Okay. And then a more recent one is A Paragon by Colm McCann. Okay. And so tell me about the first one. The first one is kind of a... Harry Potter has always been a favorite series to reread and it's kind of an adult Harry version, Potter. yeah. It's it's not in school or anything. It's she's a professor and she's researching a book and finds a magical manuscript and it just call, follows the path along there. So it's a magical, fun read. So Harry Potter for grown ups. Yeah, basically, kind of. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and what was the second book? The Tell second me. one is a paragon. It's um, A-P-E-I-R-O-G-O-N. Okay. And it's all about, it's a mix of fact and fiction. Um, and he 
he weaves together the story a story of uh, two men, two fathers who've lost daughters in uh, Palestine and okay. in in Israel, and so it's 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 a very fractured, fragmented book. But he just does this amazing job of weaving together all of these stories, and he weaves in science and bird migration and uh, philosophy and a bunch of different things. And it's just a really, I just couldn't, I could hardly put it down. It's just okay. a very good read. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Next, I talked to library director Tara Alcock about a recommended read she would have. Well, or it's a good read. Or... One book I've read quite recently that I really enjoyed is uh, They Called Me Number One. It's uh, by Bev Sellers. Okay. And it's an autobiography. Okay. It's published in 2013, so it's an older book. And I had picked it up um, because um, when the situation in Canada about the residential schools um, came up, um, I, uh, I knew I needed to do more learning. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was something I was certainly aware of as a person growing up in Canada. And certainly, like many Canadians, I, you know, I felt, you know, implicated my good life was predicated on some real atrocities and um, so I thought well this is a good time for me to kind of revisit that um, that part of my own history and so picked it up and it's a very interesting book for me personally because she's around the same age as my parents and so it was and also kind of from a similar region okay and so it was very interesting to see the trajectories of different lives in the very same country Wow. Yeah, it was um, quite quite interesting, and that really hit home for me to see, you know, how fortunate my parents were, and just how impossible it was for her, and her uncles, and her siblings, and I think she was like a fifth generation residential school survivor. Wow. And um, so it's beautifully. It's beautifully done, this book, her autobiography, and she reads it on Audible. So if you have a chance to listen to it, I'd recommend it because it's always good to hear uh, people read their own stories. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, as a Canadian, you know, you, we, it's always been true that we, we could never n- spend enough time listening and learning and knowing more, and that's never been more true than it is right now. Yeah, and so it was wonderful to come across this story because it's so poignant, and um, her family was just affected in so many ways that you see happening in Canadian society all the time. Oh, okay, and uh, and it just it's an important thing I think for all Canadians to uh, to know those stories and to really see how um, they're not the past; they're very much the present. Oh yeah! Wow! Yeah. So I, um, I would definitely recommend that book. Okay. Yeah. So they call me number they, one. They called me number one. They called me number one. Yeah, and I guess I should also say that it will be added to the library's collection. Okay. When I return. When I return. <laughs> yeah. Should we tell about that? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. The 
the price difference. Can we talk a little bit about that? Is that okay? <laughs> sure, we can tell a little story about that. That, yeah. that was crazy because you went to add it to the collection. And, and it's $890 on Amazon. And so I just went into Amazon CA, which is the Canadian version of Amazon, and bought it for like 20 bucks. Had it shipped to my parents' house. Okay. And, um, and I'll, I'll have carry it up with me when I come home. So why was it so much? I think it's just because it's a small, it's, I think it's Talon Books, which is a small British Columbia publisher. Okay. And they just don't, there's a, a lot of books, the whole book market is quite different in Canada. Books okay. don't cross the border in the way you think they should. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that will be in the collection. So. Yeah. So I'm here with Stevie Schmidt, who is um, a library clerk for the Petersburg Public Library, and she has two book recommendations that she wanted to offer. Yes. The first book I have to talk about is called um, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. I recently read this book, and I couldn't put it down. Um, it was great. It was perfect for for myself, I'm sure for lots of people, but me in particular, I, it, was, it drew me in with the message. Um, so... Brene Brown, she has written other books, too. Um, but in this book, Daring Greatly, she dismisses the idea, the, the myth, that vulnerability is weakness. And it's actually our most accurate measure of courage. Um, I... So that right away, I was like, oh, yeah, I think I need to read this book. <laughs> Um, she talks about, um, how being vulnerable, putting ourselves out there for any, for whatever reason, whatever it may be, something for work or relationship or anything, is scary and it's risky, but, um, because we don't want to fail and we don't want to be hurt, um, but nothing is as uncomfortable as being on the outside and wondering what could have been if we had just had the courage to try. Um, so I, I loved it. I, I, like I said, I couldn't put it down. She has so many great things to say, and I um, am still using it for myself even, even now, even have already having read it. Okay. I love Brene Brown. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reading another book right now by her, and then I have some other ones on my list of hers. <laughs> I yes. just I just loved what she said in here. She made me feel so good, and I wasn't alone. I'm not alone. You know, we're not alone in feeling these things and the vulnerability, and it's okay. It's, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's how we learn and grow. Yes. And we just need to... I had a hard time knowing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's a she's a great... And all of her stuff is based in research. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not just her fabulous right, opinion. Right, She does extensive research yeah. and documents and everything like that, yeah. 
So I see you have another book there. What's yes. your second one? I have this book. This is my absolute favorite book probably of all time. It is a children's book, but it has one of the best messages I've ever read. It's called Cordelia um, by Michelle Nelson Schmidt. Um, so Cordelia, one thing I love about this book it's about believing in yourself and your dreams, regardless of what others say. So Cordelia is this girl who can fly, um, and she loves it, and it makes her happy. And she visits everything. She says hi to the whale. She even goes up and dances with the stars and the moon. Um, but one day, others told her that she couldn't fly, and she began to doubt herself. So she stopped doing it. She stopped doing the thing that she loved, the thing that made her who she was. And then she was sad (laughs) because who wouldn't be? Um, But then her sadness turns into anger, but more so at herself for letting people tell her what she could or couldn't do, like not believing her. Um, They, you know, she was mad at herself for letting other people change her. So with confidence and strength, she flies again. Nice. And she's she's happy again. <laughs> and I think that that's what I love about children's books. Uh, so many of them have great messages. Yes, in they them, do. Even for adults. Yeah, absolutely. And the pictures are beautiful. I know. I love the I love the <laughs> illustrations. They're they're bright, um, simple but bright and colorful. And then it changes when Cordelia changes in the book. the The color goes away. And it turns, it actually slowly fades, and then pretty soon it's black and white until she gets her confidence again. And then the color comes back. So it's cool just yes. visually looking Beautiful. at it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Stevie. Thank you for You're sharing. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for joining us. This has been Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. Join us next week for some more staff recommendations, and we'll also have some recommendations from volunteers at the Petersburg Public Library. Thank you to the Friends of Petersburg Libraries for making today's show possible.